Welcome to Capital City Christian Church. My name is Joe. Why don't you go ahead and stand with us while we worship this morning.
thank you for allowing us to come into your home this morning. We thank you for letting us worship you and to just praise the glory and the light that you are, Lord, in all of our lives. And Lord, we pray, that, we pray that you come in like a fire, like a flood, and you find even that one person. If it's just one person that comes to know you, Lord, this morning, from this service and everything that, that we're doing here honoring you and worshiping you and we find a way and you find a way to to let that person make you part of their story because you're part of our story lord you're part of our story and we know that god you are in this story it's in your heavenly name we pray amen
Good morning, Capital City Christian Church. My mic's on. Oh, there it is. Good morning, Capital City Christian Church. My name is Alethea Hamilton, and for those that don't know me, I'm the communications director here at Capital City, and you guys are in for a treat because the first time in 30 years, this lovely lady's making an appearance on the stage. <laughs> yep, Mr. Bond. Um, my name is Julie. I'm Doc's wife. My son Andy calls me Mama, and I call him my Andy, and Alethea, and all of my grandchildren call me Lady, so that makes me Lady Patterson to all y'all. <laughs> That's right, and she expects to be addressed that way from here on out, so there you go. Did you know that there are two types of people in this world? There are those who have a green thumb and can grow anything, and then there's Alethea. <laughs> True story. She is actually allergic to dirt. That she is also true. She breaks out in hives if she gets into contact with dirt. And you see that pot on the right-hand side? That's on her deck. <laughs> Down to the broken pot. See, I'm a firm believer. I have always been taught, and that's what I teach my children, that all you got to do is plant the seed, and God waters it and makes it grow. She thinks once she puts it in the pot, it's God's work to finish and make it bloom. And she doesn't think she needs to water it all summer long. Unfortunately, that's not always the case with plants, certainly in my case, and it's not that way with our faith and our walk with Christ, because God does call us to go beyond just Sunday mornings. He calls us to dig deeper and to grow in our faith, and Ephesians 4.15 says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is in the head, that is Jesus Christ. And one way that we try to help you guys do that here at Cap City is through our growth groups. They resumed this last Wednesday. And if you haven't started coming to one in the past, it's the perfect time to start up. We've got something from the wee little ones in preschool all the way through adults. And it's a great way to not only have fellowship and community with other Christians, but it's a great way to continue to grow deeper in your faith. Did you also know there are two types of people in this world? My father and I are very alike in this one, so if you want to have fun with him, stop him in public sometime and ask him. But neither one of us are good with names, okay? And so one thing that we do here at Capital City is we wear name tags. If you will go over out to the lobby and check in, not only does it tell us that it's here, but it saves other people from embarrassing moments that often happen with me and this lovely lady because nine times out of ten, someone on Sunday morning tells me that they loved my husband's sermon. That's because she never wears her name tag. So you're to get your name tag and put it on your right side. Wear it right like that. Yeah. That way people know who you are. Another type of thing that we do here at the church, and it's been great over the past two years, and it's our nudges. And it's a great way that we can just show love to people in our community. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Do your thing. Out in the foyer on a table, you find little cards that look like this. And uh, if you will pick these up, as you're going through the drive-through or as you're sitting in a restaurant and you see somebody at another table that you'd like to pay for their meal, um, you go ahead, tell the waitress or tell them at the drive-through to pass this card to them. And when it comes their turn in line, it says, yes, it's free. And you have bought the meal for the car behind you. The people at McDonald's tell me this is extremely effective and infectious. They have had as many as 20 and 25 consecutive cars do it. Um, as it has gone through the line. <laughs> it's our first Sunday. Give her a break. <laughs> All right? So anyway, we want to show you just how easy it is to do, so watch this little video. 
So I started working and I have a little bit of extra money. And I thought since Cap City is doing their nudges every month, I thought it would be cool and fun to pay for someone's meal. So let's go do that. You see, Stephen doesn't know that I know that he's going to buy someone's lunch in the drive-thru, so I plan on being behind him. There you go. And could you hand this to the guy behind me? Here's the card for you. Thank you. The gentleman in front paid for your order. Well, how cool is that? Here's that drink for you. He asked me to hand you this card. Oh, neat. Here's that straw for you. Thank you so much. Now that guy's. That's how it's done. <laughs> it's all a ploy, guys. It's all just a setup to get Doc lunch. <laughs> and it's still worth it because he needs some help being led to Jesus. So. Please just stick with it. I think he's close, guys. I think he's getting there. I think we've almost got him. Hey, today we're going to continue our sermon series called Strong Start. We want to start this year off well. We want to revisit the things that we focus on here at Cap City. Last week, Doc talked about maturity. Today, I'm going to be talking to you with an assumption that you actually want to grow to maturity. Maybe you don't. Maybe something's wrong with you, right? Because there's this truth, living things grow and dead things don't. And so today we're going to look at the things that are going to help us grow towards maturity. We're going to do so starting in Luke chapter 8. Now Luke chapter 8 is this place where Jesus tells a story and it's called the parable of the four soils. And there's something unique about this story. It doesn't happen all the time. When Jesus tells this story, he actually also tells us what it means. Sometimes he'll tell these parables and we have to kind of work through trying to understand how to interpret what it is that he's taught. Most of the time it's that way, but there's a few times where he explains, and this is one of those times when Jesus makes it very clear what he's meaning. And it starts in verse five. Jesus says, a farmer went out to sow seed. As he's scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Now, if you jump down to verse uh, 12, okay, so if you continue on with this, so you skip a few verses, this is where Jesus begins laying out what it means. It says that those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. This path that Jesus is describing, this hard path, it looks like a worn down path. It looks like a place where you walk in the grass. It looks like one of those like game trails where the animals just kind of keep walking in the same place and they pack it down, they press it down and nothing can grow there anymore. Nothing can penetrate or break into the dirt for the plant to be able to grow. And notice that when Jesus is talking about this soil, when he interprets it for us, he talks about it being the heart. He says, he says that the, the devil comes and takes away the word from our hearts. Our hearts are the soil that we're talking about here. So spiritually speaking, a person with a heart that is this hard path type of soil is someone who is damaged. 
Maybe they contributed, maybe not. Maybe they're used or abused. But regardless, the end product is that they have a hard heart. And it's probably because of the way that life has pressed them down. Jesus goes on in verse 6. He says that some of the seed that's cast out, it falls on the rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And then Jesus tells us, if you skip down to verse 13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but at the time of testing, they fall away. Literally speaking, the soil that Jesus is talking about, it looks like a joint in the sidewalk. You know what that is? It's those intentional cracks that are in a sidewalk that you kind of lay out. It's those places where sometimes something will pop up from time to time. There's just enough soil for it to start to grow. It starts to shoot out a stem of some sort, but it doesn't really grow into anything because there's not enough soil. It doesn't really have room to take root. Spiritually speaking, this looks like a shallow Christian, maybe a, a baby Christian. It's someone who hasn't matured or grown up. It's, uh, it's someone who maybe believes these kinds of things. It would be someone who thinks that maybe baptism is the, is the end of their journey, not their beginning. That's a shallow Christian perspective. That's a baby Christian type of perspective. It would be someone who treats Jesus like a genie. This idea that, that he's your genie but not your Lord, that you can just go to him with whatever problems you have and he's going to solve it for you, but you're not really interested in him telling you what life is supposed to be. So, according to Jesus, life gets hard. God doesn't grant your wish, and so then you walk away. Jesus goes on. He says, other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. The seeds that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. That's an interesting list to me. He says, and they do not mature. They do not mature. Pay attention to that phrase. Last week we talked about maturity, that we're all called to grow, that we should all be looking more like Jesus. A plant in this environment doesn't mature. The soil looks like a garden but it hasn't been weeded. It's just overgrown. The soil's good, it's prepared, but it's not protected. So it gets, I'm not doing that, guys. So it gets overgrown, all right? Spiritually speaking, we're talking about hardship here. For some people, life's burdens choke out their joy from God. But notice this, it also looks like blessings. It's not just the hard things in life. Good things can become idols. They can distract us from God. It's not just those hard things. Sometimes it's the good things that keep us from having a good, healthy relationship with God. And it interferes, it intervenes, it prevents us, it distracts us. It becomes something that we worship instead of worshiping God. Hardship and blessing both have the potential to prevent maturity. If you're going to grow, there's some things that you have to let go, right? And then Jesus says this. He says, still other seeds fell on good soil. Came up, yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And then he explains it. He says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop. This looks like a well-manicured garden. It's prepared. It's, it's also protected and preserved, and then it's producing. It's actually growing something. 
Spiritually speaking, this looks like a serious Jesus follower. They're prepared to follow him. They've protected and they've preserved themselves and they are producing fruit. They're producing evidences of being a Jesus follower. Now, here's the big question for us today. When you look at these soils, you may identify which one looks the most like you. That doesn't matter much to me. What I want to know is whether or not you think you have the ability to change the state of your soil. Talking about our heart, our soil is our heart. Do we at all have the ability to change it? Can we tend to our heart? Can we make it where it's more probable that maturity may take place in us? I mean, the reality is we're all going to mature one way or the other, right? Whether you intend to or not, whether you want to or not, you're going to mature. But do we have the ability to slow it down? Can we interfere with our maturity? Are there things that we can do that would enhance our maturity, our growth? I think so. Thinking of it this way, there's, there's things like this. What does a plant need to grow? It needs space. It needs the right temperature. It needs light and water, air, nutrients, time. It needs all these different components. And if any of them are missing, then the plant begins to struggle. Most plants will still grow if all conditions are not exactly perfect. It just won't grow properly. It's going to have some sort of a dysfunction. And so you look at Jesus' soils and you can see that there's these things that want to grow. You look at the hard path and the seeds there, it just can't penetrate into the soil where the nutrients are. You look at the rocky soil and it lacks the space for the plant to grow. It lacks the water according to the way that Jesus tells the story. The soil that's filled with, with the thorns, with the weeds around it, it actually has everything necessary. It's got good nutrients. It's got the water. Everything is there. In fact, everything is growing, even the things that shouldn't be growing, the weeds. And they're preventing the light from being able to get in and stealing the nutrients from the good seed, right? What about humans? We have a list of things that we need to grow. Maslow has his famous hierarchy of needs his list of things that humans need to be able to grow, food, water, clothing, shelter, sleep. What do we need to grow spiritually? Last week we used this verse. You already heard it once this morning from Malathia and Julie. It says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Plants physically need space, temperature, light, water, air, nutrients. Humans physically need food, water, clothing, shelter, sleep. At Cap City, we've identified the growth catalyst that every human needs. We believe that if you want to grow spiritually, the things that you need are worship, connect, grow, and serve. Now, some of you notice that word grow there feels a bit redundant. <laughs> We're going to get to that. We'll explain what that is, all right? But these are our catalysts for spiritual growth. If there's any part of you that wants to have a better relationship with God or even just a better life, these are the catalysts. These are the things that you're going to add to the soil of your heart to give you a chance to grow. And it starts with worship. And let's start with some misconceptions about worship. Some people think that worship is something for God. It's something that we do for him. It's something that he wants or maybe even that he needs from us. It's something that I give him. And there's a, there's a sense in which some of that is kind of true, not all of it. God doesn't need our worship. Like if we don't give it, he sit up, sits up there and pouts. I don't think that happens. 
I think there's better, more accurate perceptions. Because worship isn't just about God, it's also about us. There's something that happens for me when I worship. Worship aligns my heart with reality. It aligns my heart with reality. When I worship God, it makes me live in the truest sense of reality. In John 4, 23, Jesus puts it this way. Jesus says that time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. There's a sense in which when I'm worshiping God, I'm living in truth. I'm living in the truest reality. It's a spiritual act. I'm recognizing who God is and his proper place, and that naturally puts me in my proper place. When I worship God, we aren't equals I'm recognizing that he's above me, that he's beyond me, that he's bigger than me, and I'm forcing myself into seeing who he is and who I'm not, and that's a healthy thing. That'll help us grow to maturity. And worship isn't just a spiritual thing, it's a physical thing. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship. Worship is the practice of putting yourself in a place of servitude before God. And we're going to talk about service more in just a moment. But worship happens when I physically place myself in position to help someone out. When I serve, I'm doing the same kinds of things that Jesus did. And it's an act of worship. It's putting myself in a proper place, not just spiritually, but physically. And when I do something that honors God in a way that honors God, it equals worship. And this is why worship is more than just a once a week type of a thing. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Worship has this idea of being consumed. There's, there's lots of things that we worship, whether that's our sports teams, maybe it's a new romance or relationship. Can you remember when you first started dating someone and you became obsessed with them? You don't want to be away from them. You don't put off a new relationship like that for a small piece of time once a week. You want to be with them all the time, and that looks like worship. A good, healthy marriage is not something that gets checked in on once a week. It's something that requires all of your attention. And you don't think, I don't think, about my favorite sports team once a week. I keep up with them Sunday through Saturday, right? If you were to blow off worship of your God, do you think that you could make the case that he's actually your Lord? If worship isn't something that you do daily, spiritually speaking, you look anemic or anorexic, you look like you're starving, unhealthy, not growing. It reminds me of this time I was down in Haiti and I was working within this compound mission work and there was a, this, this food program that they ran for kids in the community could come in every day and get lunch. And I remember looking at these kids as they were coming in and getting lunch and as I'm looking at these kids, I'm realizing this is the only food that they ever get and as I'm looking at them, I'm also realizing they don't look healthy. It's not enough. And it made me wonder about the kids in the streets who weren't getting the food once a day and how close to death they were. You know, there's people in this room right now who look like those sickly, starving children only feeding on Jesus once a week. If that's you, you are spiritually sick and you're dying. 
Spiritual growth and maturity requires a lifestyle of worship. Healthy soil worships daily. It looks like obedience. I worship Jesus through every decision I make that honors Jesus. Every time I honor him, that's an act of worship. It's a practical daily way that I worship him, finding ways to honor my God. It looks like reading my Bible. It looks like praying. It looks like living with him in such a way that worship is a part of my life. And if it is, if worship is added consistently to your life, the soil of your heart, you're going to find that it's easy to grow. It just happens. And it's not just this word worship, it's also this word connect, which for us simply means community. We aren't in this alone. There's a misconception out there. Sometimes I hear this, you may even say this. Maybe you've heard someone say this, there's this misconception. My spiritual relationship with God is between me and God. It's not something that other people have the space or the authority or the right to speak into. And there's a sense in which that's kind of true. One day you're going to stand before your maker. You're not going to stand before me. That's true. But it's not the best perspective. You realize God is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that I'm built in his image, which means I'm built for community as well. It's how he designed us to be in this world, and it's exactly what he has designed his church to be for us. There's tons of language to this New Testament. Here's just one of them. 1 Corinthians 12 says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We're all a part of it. We all have a role to play, that we are not independent of one another. That community with other Jesus followers in church is the natural home for every Jesus follower. And connection is also essential for our perseverance. Hebrews 10 says it this way, let us consider how to stir one another, stir up one another to love and good works. Community. This is where Jesus followers get the encouragement to stay the course. It's where we encourage and build each other up. There's this great image of these trees in Utah. They're called trembling aspens. There's a section of them, about 106 acres in Utah, where they've all grown together. They actually share the same root system. And within that, if you were to pull the DNA from all these different trees that you see in this 106 acres, you'd find that they all have the same DNA. It's actually one tree. But if you look at it, it's made up of around 47,000 individual trees. They're not competing over the nutrients in the soil. Instead, they're working together, supporting one another. And it's a beautiful picture, and that's what the church should look like. That connection is essential for our perseverance and our growth. It's essential for our maturity. Galatians Chapter 6 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness that requires community. Bear one another's burdens that requires unity, community, and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of Christ. When we care for one another, that is fulfilling this law that Jesus laid out. His law was this, love one another. You can't do that alone. You cannot grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus if we are in isolation. You can't love one another if you're living in isolation. You can't grow in maturity if you are not giving voice to other Jesus followers to speak into your life. It doesn't work. And so we're constantly encouraging people towards life groups, trying to figure out how we can get a new one started. Because Jesus followers are more successful in following Jesus when they're connected to other Jesus followers. Jesus' followers are more successful in following Jesus when they're connected to other Jesus' followers. It's essential for your growth. 
It's that nutrient, it's that component that you're gonna add to the heart, to your soil. That if you wanna be healthier, a healthier Jesus follower, then you need some community, you need some connections with other people. Spiritual growth requires you to be connected to other Jesus followers who are focused on growing just the same as you are. And so commit to Christian community. Maybe you need to find a mentor, someone who can pour into you. Maybe you need to be a mentor that you could pour into someone else. Either way, either end of it that you're going to be on, you're going to find that when you engage in Christian community, you're the one who gets to grow. Now, there's this word grow, which is incredibly redundant, right? What we're talking about here when we use this word grow, what we're really trying to say is no. It's about knowing, it's about educating, it's about understanding. But we're not only talking about facts, we're not only talking about being able to pass a test about Jesus, there's no entrance exam into heaven, right? It's not being able to pass a test or know the facts about Jesus, it's about knowing him. It's it's knowing who he is. We're talking about intimacy of relationship. We're talking about, about knowing Jesus versus knowing about Jesus. We're talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. You should be growing in your knowledge of Jesus and your trust in Jesus kind of like you would in a marriage. Like you can look back and you could say, I'm not the same as I was one year ago or five years ago. We should be able to say the same thing spiritually. And there's a misconception out there that knowing about Jesus is knowing Jesus. It's not reality. I know a lot about some famous people on TV who play football. And I've never met them. They don't know anything about me. I don't know any of them like I do my wife or my kids, my best friend, some of you, right? A proper perspective says that growth in knowing Jesus is the expectation. It's expected that you grow in knowing Jesus more and more. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 is one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible. It says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. And when we're saying this, this love abound more and more, this isn't an emotional thing. This isn't an infatuation type of a thing. That's not what we're talking about here. It's a, it's a, it's a love that grows in knowledge and depth of insight. The hope here that Paul is, is, has as he's writing to this church, this prayer that he has over this church is that they would know Jesus and not just know about him, but that they would know him, that they would have a depth of understanding of who he is, so much so that it's just pouring out in the form of love within their lives, that love would abound more and more with how they treat one another, back to that connection, to that community aspect and how they would treat those around them in the world that this love would just pour out more and more because it's rooted in the knowledge and the depth of insight that they know who Jesus is. Look at it this way. Knowing and intimacy are evidence of maturity. It's evidence of maturity. When grace or love are pouring out of my life, it's evidence that I'm growing, that I'm maturing. Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verse 12 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's words all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And that's not nice words. The writer's calling them out. They should be teachers, but instead they're acting like babies. He goes on, he says, anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. How are you feeding yourself? What is your relationship 
would Jesus actually look like, spiritually speaking here? Does it look like milk or does it look like steak? Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Does Jesus look like an acquaintance or a close friend? Don't settle for knowing about Jesus. Make the effort to know Jesus more personally, more intimately. And when you do, you're actually just going to mature. It just happens naturally. Doc has been the, the lead pastor here at Cap City for 30 years. And I laugh at him all the time for lots of reasons, okay? But one of them is this. He, he refers to himself as a professor, a teacher, and I laugh because he's been a preacher much longer than he's been a professor or a teacher, right? But he has that personality, and it's imprinted all over the vision for this church as it absolutely should be. And perhaps, perhaps Doc's personality is not seen anywhere else more so than in this specific area that we call grow. It's core. It's central to our purpose and to our design as a church. We are committed to offering opportunities for you to grow in your understanding and in your knowledge of Jesus. But we don't want you to just simply know about him. We want you to actually know him, to become more like him, to be following him in a way that you're getting to know him in that personal sense where you just naturally start to do the things that he does. Spiritual growth requires you to be a serious student of Jesus and to also be committed in a relationship with him. Not to study from afar, but to live with him. And that's why we have things like Right Now Media. That's why we do growth groups on Wednesday nights. It's why we have things like men's breakfasts and so many other opportunities that abound throughout this church. It's all about giving us an opportunity to grow. Opportunities where we help teach you about Jesus and invite you to become more like him. And then finally, that last word, serve. There's some misconceptions about service as well. We think that service is about accomplishing a task. We think that service is about helping someone else. Both of those things are true, but service is a catalyst for you to grow. It actually helps your soil. We think of service as being completely outward act for somebody else, that it's selfless, that it's not for me, but that's not actually true. Service, serving accomplishes something very valuable for the one who serves. Service puts us in alignment with the mind of Jesus. When we serve, we get our mind in alignment with him. Galatians chapter five says, you were called to freedom, brothers. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Through love, serve one another. We have a Savior, we have a Messiah who came into this world and had all the freedom to impact history in the future in whichever way that he wanted to. His method, his strategy that he chose was service. So when I serve, I'm lining up my mindset with his mindset. I'm thinking the way that he thinks. When I meet the needs of someone else, I'm thinking like Jesus. But it's not just a, a mental thing, it's a physical thing. Service puts me in alignment with the body of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, uh, Mark writes this, says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. These are Jesus' words about himself. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus physically gave himself. And we look at his crucifixion, we look at the cross, and we can see it very practically there, but that's not the first time his body was consistently given for others, meeting the needs of the people around him. When I meet the needs of someone else, when I use my body for the purpose of serving someone else, I'm acting like Jesus. I'm aligning mentally and I'm aligning physically. And then when service becomes a part of our rhythm of life, we start 
transforming. We start growing. We start maturing more and more into Jesus. This is who he was. He came into this world. He was consistently putting people above and before himself, serviced, and that is that nutrient. It's that component that we put down into the soil, and it makes us grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And as we said before, it's an act of worship. Puts us right back where we began. Spiritual growth requires you to find opportunities to serve others. And we've got lots of opportunities If I were to highlight one within this church, I would point you to our next-gen ministries. We have uh, needs within our preschool and children and student ministries of adults to come alongside and help invest in these kids. And the temptation is to think that it's all about the kids. We're trying to help the kids, but you need it. You need to serve for your health, for your ability to grow. Service doesn't just happen within this building. There's lots of ways that you can serve outside this church as well. You can serve and you should serve in ways that aren't Cap City initiated. You need to serve for your own sake. Service is going to accomplish a task, but more importantly, it's going to grow you. When you serve others, something's growing inside of you. It's adding something to the soil of your heart. Worship, connect, grow, serve. I want to challenge you to audit your soil. I want to challenge you to audit your soil. I want you to consider your heart and what you may be missing, what you may be needing. In fact, let's start back at those soils that Jesus started with. If you looked at your heart right now, would you see yourself as the hard path? Is your heart so beaten down and pressed down that you're not open to the word of God being a part of your life? Or maybe you're open to God, but it's shallow because you haven't done the work necessary to provide space for roots. You're not watering it. There's something that's trying to grow, but it's not really anything you've done. It just kind of happened almost even on accident. Maybe you look like that seed that falls in among the thorns. You've got this stuff in your life that's just kind of choking you out. It's distracting you. It's pulling you away from what God's trying to do with you. Or hopefully... Hopefully you look at yourself and you see good soil. You see ways in which you have prepared and protected and persevered, and now you can see evidence of fruit, producing fruit. Now, if your soil isn't right, it's probably because you're missing a catalyst. So which one are you missing? What nutrients do you need? Which component can you add to your life? Do you have worship mixed up in there? Do you have connections with other Jesus followers involved within the soil of your heart? Do you have opportunities for your growth to to know and and to experience? Are Are you knowing more about Jesus? Are you knowing him personally? Are you educating? Are you growing in that intimacy? Are you finding opportunities to serve? If there's any part of you that wants to grow spiritually, these are the catalysts. And if you aren't growing, it's probably because you're missing them. It's preventing your ability to grow. You might actually be unhealthy spiritually because you don't have the necessary components for growth and health. And I'm assuming, like we said at the beginning, I'm assuming you want to grow to maturity. Maybe you don't. Maybe something's wrong with you. But I know this. I know that living things grow and dead things don't. And if you heard that, you're living You should be growing. You should be maturing.
Maybe this leads you to a conversation of some sort. Maybe, maybe uh, you'd like to come up here in a moment. I'll, I'll be sitting up front. I'd love to talk to you about what steps you can take to begin working on your own soil, making it to where you're more receptive to the word of God, what we can do to help you grow in your maturity and in your relationship with him. That is literally what my job is, okay? That's, that's my purpose in life. I'd love to have that conversation with you. We've got an elder in the prayer room. After the service, Doc or I will be back in our connections room. These are the conversations we want to have. We want to encourage you to do so. And right out of this, we're actually going to step into a time of communion because we recognize that we have a God who loves us deeply and has cared for us greatly and that his work for us is what has given us the opportunity to have a relationship with him. It's how he sacrificed of himself that gives us this opportunity. And so every week we come to the table and we take a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice and we recall what it is that he's done for us. We want to remember what he has done on our behalf. It's an act of worship on our part. And then out of that, we, we give back because he's given to us, we give to him. And so if you're part of the Cap City family, we have these boxes on each of the worship stations around the room, a place where you can give back to him the first parts of how it is that he's blessed and given to you. Sometimes we feel so compelled that we want to give more. We have these buckets on each of the stations, our generous buckets, where we uh, take that and we just try to find ways to bless our community. We're finding opportunities all the time. That's a great way for you to invest even more. During this time, as you, as you go to the tables, pray over your heart. Pray over your soil. Seriously audit it. What are you missing? What do you need to add that would help you grow? And if you need some help in that, again, that conversation now would be a great time for you to come up and do that. Why don't you guys stand? Let's go to the tables.
You guys believe that? I do. We're talking about this Christian maturity. We're not talking about it because it's just a, a have to. Guys, this makes life better. We honestly think that the best life possible is doing life with God, for God, God's way. Do you? Do you believe that that will make your life better? Here's our verse. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That's what we want. We want that for each other because we think that will make life better. We really do. Guys, right after the service, you know, Ben's going to be hanging around up front. I'm going to be in the connections room. We've got an elder praying for you right in that prayer room. If you want to talk about making Jesus Lord of your life, talk about Capital City as a church family. If you want to talk about just growing as a Christian, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you, right? Just a couple of other things. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to go out into the cold, right? And uh, I've got a really, really... Uh, serious. I don't ask for things much. But today, about four o'clock, get on your knees and pray for the Cowboys. Would you do that? Now go away. Thank you. <laughs>